All right, well, good evening. I didn't realize we were on. So if you're watching by Facebook, we welcome you tonight. We're glad you're watching. It's still better here, but we're glad you're there. Uh, if you're watching in the future, come on by and, and uh, see us. Everybody else, y'all ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your glory. We thank you that you are doing great things in our lives. And we just worship you. We praise you. We ask tonight that the word come alive, jump right off the page and into our spirit. Let us read something that we've read a hundred times and let it sound different. Let us take out, because we know your word is alive, your word is breathing. We know that it can change because you change, not, but you can show us a different aspect of yourself every day. And I thank you that you're doing it now. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I was uh, praying there, and that was sort of going through my mind. You know, the angels have spent eternity. There's a, there's a group of angels that spent eternity circling the throne of God. They've been doing it since way before us and will do it way after us. And they cry, every time they come around, they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And I thought, how boring. So in case you ever get tired of praise and worship songs, think about that. That's their job is the same words for eternity. But you know, I, can, I just can't help but think that I wonder if they don't see something new about him every time. That just makes them want to cry out holy again. And makes them want to cry out holy again. Anyhow, that's what went through my mind while we were praying, so I'm going to try not to get off on that. <laughs> we are going to uh, start tonight a new group of, of uh, classes on the anointing. Um, to me, this is probably one of the most misunderstood, misused things in all of charismania. Uh, that's what we is. Um, because we think and we have this idea that, okay, the preacher gets up, he does a good job, we walk out and say, and I'm, listen, if you wasn't come up in some of the Christian ideas that we were, you, you may not have heard this too much, but the preacher preached one, it made us feel good or it made us whatever, and we walked away saying, man, that was anointed. The singer gets up, sings a good song, that was anointed. And we've developed this idea that the anointing is something that comes on us at specific times. Like when I'm preaching, I'm anointed, but when I'm not preaching, I'm not anointed. Or if I'm singing, I'm anointed, or, or I'm, the anointing goes away. And then some of us think, that the anointing is a nice, when we come into service and it feels good and we're shout, we've shouted the place down and we've got the holy goose bumps or whatever it is that, that we want to call it. And we think that the anointing, folks, we got to understand the anointing is more than a goose bump. It's more than an emotional experience. And, and there are multiple, there's not one anointing. We'll look at it here in a little bit. There are multiple anointings. Some people are anointed to do certain things. Um, but always remember, as we get into this, the anointing is to do. But I'm going to tell you, in no matter what we do, perfection's not the answer. Uh, now, when we talk about church, uh, excellence is always the answer. Um, Bob and I was having this conversation the other day. We was talking about uh, the, the temple. Can you imagine? People say, well, the church don't need to have all that stuff. Have you seen what God put in the temple? Man, the walls were gold. 
You walk into rooms and it just, it would glow from one candle because everything in there was polished and, and mirrored. Don't tell me that God's not into that when he set up his temple that way. But anyhow, uh, there's so many, so perfection's not the answer. Instruments are not the answer. Good voices aren't the answer. What's the, the anointing is something that can take a magnificent singer who leaves you in awe the way they sing, but that's all you get. But the anointing can take someone else whose voice is cracked and, and they can't hardly get through a song, but it causes your heart to cry out for God. It causes you to just fall on your face and begin to worship. That's the difference between talent and the anointed. Let me tell you, there's a whole lot of talented people, but th th sometimes the anointing is short. And uh, so I want to, we wanted to look at this as what is the anointing, what's it do in our lives. Um, Pastor Ted's going to talk, take off on some things next week, talking about three different types of anointings. There's this next week, right? Uh, so there are more than one anointing. The anointing, in a, in a general sense, before we get into this, the anointing is the ability of God for you to do what you're called to do. It's not to have a good time. It's not to have a, just a, you know. It's the ability of God for you to do what you're called to do. People say all the time, well, I don't understand how you do this. Well, I, it's just not something I'm really trying to do. It's just what happens. And folks, let me tell you, without the anointing, we are worthless to the work of God. Without the anointing, we are worthless. There are all kinds of talented people who could do this, but they don't have the same impact. Um, this is what really gets me about uh, Christian folks, okay, and I'm going to tell you why. Pet peeve time, you ready? What happens is we, we hear somebody's coming into a local town and they'll run and they can hear the exact same thing that their pastor said, but because he pastors a church of 20 but somebody else happened to be preaching in a church of 2,000, they somehow think that's the bigger anointing. Try that over here. We think the size of a congregation means that speaker's more anointed or because they get to travel or because they get, that doesn't, that's not, that's not what makes the anointing. I'm not saying they're not anointed, but we can't overlook the anointing in someone's lives just because they don't have the title somebody else has got. Mm. Everyone is anointed. Uh, everyone is anointed. We're all anointed to do different things. And so, don't be that person. They're like, well, they're famous, so they have to be more anointed. It's not true. That's a cult of personality. Sorry. You hear how dead quiet it went? And, and you have that. Pastor Ted and I was talking just this morning about the rock star ministers how, you know, when, when did the church become looking for ministers of rock stardom? Like, oh, wow, they're, they're I'm glad, and you know me, I'm for everybody. Man, preach it. Take what you got, give it to the world. But we, as believers, have to be careful not to over the, overlook the anointing in someone's life just because they may not have the platform someone else does. Okay? So just putting that out there. But we are really worthless without, to the work of God without the anointing. Go to Isaiah 61. 
Isaiah 61. Jesus stood up in the temple, and this one got him in trouble. Because he stood up in the temple and began to read this scripture, and the word tells us that he closed the book and said, Today this is fulfilled in your midst. Isaiah chapter 61, uh, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. The anointing is so important that the Messiah that was to come to Israel had to be anointed. (laughs) The the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, uh, uh, for the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives to the, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to preserve those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. First off, without going in and defining the anointing yet, this tells us what the anointing is for. It's, it's not a goosebump. The anointing is, that comes on you and I, one, is to proclaim the good news of God. This is why people get anointed, to proclaim the good news of God, to preach the good news. The anointing is to heal and to heal a brokenhearted. The anointing is to declare liberty for those who are in bondage. This is why God wants to anoint you. He wants to anoint you so you can proclaim the good news of God. He wants you to understand you're anointed so that you can be the one out here and doing the work. It's doing the work of Jesus. It's healing even those who are brokenhearted. The, the anointing is so that you and I can declare freedom to those who are in bondage. The anointing is to set people free. It's not just so we can go around going, look at me and how anointed I am. Look how good God uses me. If we're going to truly walk in an anointing of God, then we are going to be about setting people free, declaring the word of God, healing people, and seeing lives change. That's all the anointing is for. And if the anointing draws more attention to ourselves than it does to Jesus, what did that last verse say? That the Father may be glorified. So the anointing ultimately is to bring glory to God, not praise or admiration to a person. Some of the most anointed people I I have ever seen, they didn't hold a, a position in churches. They didn't preach in big giant places. But man, you talk about doing the work of God. They were out and the whole world and everybody around them was being changed just because they decided they were going to walk in the anointing that God gave them. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance, to comfort. So our anointing is to comfort. It's to preserve those that mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he 
might be glorified. Ultimately, when we're talking about the anointing over these next however long we decide to go until the Holy Spirit says different, it is going to be how you and I can bring glory to God in everything we do. It's not about preachers. It's not about apostles and prophets. And even though all those are good, we believe in all those. It's about everybody coming together under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do the work of Jesus. So what does it mean to be anointed? Because, you know, we, we, we've seen people do that, uh, anoint people with oil uh, when we're praying for the sick. Um, we don't do that right all the time, too, because if we did it by the definition, people would be mad. <laughs> the word anoint means to pour oil upon. Now, anoint, but, but it also means some other things. It means to pour upon. It means to smear. It means to rub. See, when we're talking about God anointing us with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God wanting to absolutely submerge us, to pour the Spirit over us, the, the ability of His Spirit, to smear us, to rub us down, to get all oiled up and greasy with the presence of God in our life. So that through that presence of God, that everywhere I step, I should leave footprints of Jesus everywhere I go. It is dripping off of me. It is walking off of me. And everybody that's around me, they get greasy from just being around me because there's so much anointing on me. And there's so much anointing on you that we should leave this kind of uh, uh, impact on the world. That they, they walk away going, men are something different about them. And I just can't get my hands on it. Should I answer it? <laughs> I should answer it, shouldn't I? But that's what the anointing is. Let's finish this definition. These are on the version app if you're looking at it. Um, it means to rub over <laughs> or uh, uncutaneous substances as in to spread oil. It means to consecrate by unction or by the use of oil. So what does that mean? Well, we have to look at the word consecrate. What does it mean to be consecrated? You see, when we say that we are going to be anointed, that we are anointed, and I'm telling you, everyone is anointed. Not everybody walks in their anointing. Come on. Well, how do you know everybody's anointed? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. He's the one that brings the anointing. But not everybody walks in the spirit right we looked at that when we looked in out of galatians at the fruit of the spirit it's the difference between living in the spirit and walking in the spirit uh, so the word consecrate means to declare as sacred so when we understand that we're walking in an anointing we have to understand that god has declared us as sacred Man, when you understand that you are a sacred object in the temple of God, you will watch what you do. <laughs> Remember when, um, what's his name? The king with the uh, handwriting on the wall. Somebody help me. Come on, I got two pastors in here. Somebody remember? Huh? Was it Nebuchadnezzar? Thank you. So he, I mean, one of the pastors didn't get that. <laughs> When we think about Nebuchadnezzar, you know what really got him in trouble? 
He went and sent for the sacred things and brought them out of the temple and was drinking unholy things in them. When we understand that we are sacred, that we are consecrated to God, we will be careful then what we do with this thing that has been consecrated to God. See, that's, that's what God's grace does for us. It causes us to realize the price that was paid for us. It causes us to realize what it would cost and that we are worth more than that. It means to declare something as sacred, to set something apart, or to devote it to service of God and worship of God. So first off, Jesus says, that's, that's what anointing means. So it means taking the Holy Spirit and the power of God and just being smeared all over with it, having, having that poured on us. Now, there are different times that come up in life that we will go through these that we need a different anointing. We need an anointing to get through something else or to minister in another way. So he said, preach the gospel, preach the good news, heal the sick, set at liberty those who are in bondage. This is why you're anointed. God is looking for a group of people who will understand they are sacred, they are called, they're anointed because he said, the work that I do, you'll do. We are the body of Christ on the earth. That's what we're called, right? To understand that we are the body of Christ means the body has to listen to the direction of the head. And when the head gives direction, the body must follow. But without the anointing and the recognition in our own lives that we have been smeared on, rubbed on, poured over by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're just going to sit back and say, well, the pastor will do it. Well, we'll, we'll bring you, I'll bring you to church and you can get set free. The church doesn't set them free. I don't set them free. Set them free in Walmart. <laughs> Man, I went, I, I went to uh, uh, get tires the other day and watched the anointing get all over a guy putting tires on my car when he stood there with big crocodile tears in his eyes as God began to move on him. That's the anointing. All I was there to do was just love on him. And he shook my hand before I left, and I'm expecting him here. Why? Because the anointing, it's, it's, what, it's what does it. it. It's what moves in your life. Go to Isaiah chapter 10. <clears throat> so it's being smeared on, being poured on, being rubbed on the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. You say, well, you can't live like that all the time. Yes, you can. The oil source is already in you. <laughs> we're not see that's the good thing about the kingdom of God and about the Holy Spirit the kingdom of God is where in you I'm not waiting for the oil to be poured on me I should be producing this oil man I'm like I'm like the, the, the I'm like the widow's uh, uh, jar when she was making the cake you're just going to keep pouring out of me mm. ah. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27 and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken off of thy shoulders and his yoke from off of thy neck and the yoke, that bondage, you, you do know what a yoke is, right? A yoke is a big, giant, heavy thing. 
that they would take the ox and they would lay it across their neck and then they'd lock it on the other side. It was actually bondage meant to control a beast. He says there, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke on your life, what the enemy meant to put on top of you, what the enemy meant to hold you back in the past, hold you back in the junk of your life, hold you back in the sins of your life, when you became anointed, that yoke was actually destroyed. When, when you came to God and he said, come on in, and you said yes to that salvation, that yoke was actually destroyed. It was broken into pieces. The enemy no longer has anything on you. But we're like the big elephant that was raised with a chain. And once I'm full size, they can put a rope around my ankle and tie me to a folding chair. And I'll only go until I feel that first little tug because I've been conditioned to stay in bondage. And I've been conditioned to stay in something that can no longer... Those chains couldn't hold that elephant. But you see, we're conditioned. And see, that's what the enemy has done with us. He said, here, take a yoke of addiction. Here, take a yoke of sickness. Here, take a yoke of poverty. Here, take. But when God came in and you said yes, he anointed you and he broke that vessel off of you. And you don't have to be that. Well, then why are so many that? Nobody's ever told them they're anointed. Uh, there's freedom in Christ. That's the whole, that's the thing. The anointing has come and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. So the anointing is to roll burdens off. The anointing destroys yokes. It breaks it into pieces. The anointing is to be set free from something that we were unable to throw off on our own. I was unable. Well, what if I'm going through something and I can't get past it? There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I need an anointing here. (laughs) I need an anointing. I need a fresh anointing. I need a new anointing. I'm telling you, you're going to see through this series, there's multiple anointings. Why? Because God is so faceted that he can take care of every area of your life. Go to Isaiah 54. See, anointing, when God spread and rubbed and smeared you down with the Holy Ghost, he gave you the anointing so that you can be free. And you are free, not just so you can run around going, look how free I am, but so you can go and set others free from the anointing that is on you and then see them anointed to do the same. Oh, glory to God. I, 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 hope, I'm, I hope you're getting this as good as I can give it. <laughs> no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Verse 17, sorry. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you. Some of y'all need to read that. We'll read it about 10 times right now. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon, for, why? Because of the anointing. It won't prosper because you're anointed. It won't prosper because you are smeared down, rubbed down with the glory of God. It's like, (laughs) no, no, no. Got to catch my own tongue sometimes. 
You're smeared down. No weapon. So what's facing you right now? What are you facing? You need to stand up, look it right in the eye and say, I'm anointed by God. Because the yoke has been destroyed off my life and now no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their vindication is from me, says the Lord. That's why I don't pay attention a lot of times, Galen, to what people have to say about me. (laughs) I'm just going to walk into the anointing that God gave me. I'm going to do what he's called me to do. We're going to just be what he's called me to be. The anointing destroys the yoke. You do not have to be in bondage today because you are anointed. Well, why don't I feel anointed? What are you still believing about yourself? Are you, are, you, are you the giant elephant with a little rope around your ankle? And you still think you're chained? You still think you're in bondage? You think, well, I'll never get over this. You're anointed to get over that because you have to get over it because somebody else needs you to come and get them out of whatever bondage they're held in. Is it that easy to be free? Yes. (laughs) Mm. The anointing is in you. It's the Holy Spirit, Jesus And the father all rolled up into one and rubbed you down. Like Idra rubbing somebody down with oil to give them a massage. It's been rubbed into you. He got deep into your pores. He rubbed you down so deep that it's into your very DNA now. Your freedom is in your very DNA. You're anointed that deep. (sighs) Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Man, if we only realized who we were, what we are, that we are anointed. You're going to hear all kinds of different things. You're going to hear about anointings coming on you. Well, how can anointings come on me if I'm already anointed? Because I should be producing this. The Holy Spirit produces this in my life. When, when, when you're sitting at, uh, at Wendy's and they give you a cup, what do you do when your cup's empty? You go back to the source. And guess what? what this is what I really like about Wendy's. You've been in Wendy's in a while. They got those fancy little push-button uh, soda machines so you can pick all the different flavors you want. So if I, that's not what I'm in the mood for this time, I'll go back to the source. And I'll request another drink. And it may look different, it may taste different, it may be totally different than what I had before, but I know when I can always go back to the source, and the source will always give me that which I need at that moment. Good Lord. Isaiah, not Isaiah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Yeah, but I can't get past this. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. But you don't know what I'm going through. Listen, somebody else that went through it too. Somebody else. No, my situation's individual. Come on. Out of the billions of people in the world, you're the only one. 
He said, there's no temptation taking you other than that what is common to man. Yeah, verse 13. God is faithful. And he will not permit you to be tempted above what you can endure. But will with every temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. For every yoke that binds you, there is an anointing that breaks it. For every yoke, temptation, same thing. For every yoke that bonds you, there is an anointing. There is an anointing to break that. There is a brand new smearing. There is a brand new outpouring. There is a brand new rubbing down. Every yoke, there's a new anointing. The way out is called the anointing. Go to Zechariah. How does the anointing come then? Well, we know that it's to be smeared on. That's why we talk about baptisms in the Word of God. There are multiple baptisms. <laughs> there's multiple baptisms of the Holy Spirit. Well, just once and you get it. It's like when, okay, Zechariah, you found it yet? I'm giving you time because nobody usually reads Zechariah. Zechariah chapter uh, four. <laughs> it's almost into the New Testament. <laughs> Zechariah chapter four. I'll give you time. We're not in a hurry tonight. I see pages flipping because I know you want to highlight and underline. <laughs> Zechariah chapter 4, it's like popcorn. You know when you listen for the popcorn, you wait for that last kernel to pop. <laughs> Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, what a name. Listen, I, I, I think before I ever really heard that name, I was in prayer one day and the Lord said that to me. He said, Zerubbabel. And I said, what the heck is that? Oh, what a great, you read, this, read, read this stuff on Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So I face a brand new yoke. I face something else that I've never faced before. What do I have to do? Understand it's not going to be by my plans. It's not going to be my, by power, not by my ingenuity. It's only by the anointing, by the spirit of the Lord. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I love verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? <laughs> When's the last time you said that to your mountain? Listen, this is God declaring this. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, that word before can also, mean, can also mean compared. Who compared to Zerubbabel? You shall become like a plain, flat. Who are you, O great mountain? 
compared or before Zerubbabel, you will become plain and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. He said, listen, Zerubbabel may be facing something right now. You may be facing something really big right now. You have to understand God's response is not trying to encourage you. He's saying, hey, mountain, how big you think you are compared to the one standing in front of you, you're nothing. Because it's not by their might, it's not by their power, but it's by the spirit that lives on the inside of them, that anointing that has been smeared on them, rubbed on them, just mushed all into them. And we know why God says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast and see, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. For whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you will have them. Mark 11, 23 and 24. It's the anointing. Your mountain is nothing compared to your anointing. Your mountain is nothing compared to your anointing. Just know that's who you are. That's what you are. You have been rubbed down with the glory of God. You have been smeared upon with the presence of God. Everywhere you walk, you leave little oil prints everywhere you go. It's dripping off of us. Psalms 33 or 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil. That's anointing that is poured down over the head and even down on the beard, Aaron's beard even, the priest's beard, and down on his collar. And if you look at it, it says it goes all the way down to the ground. It it soaks him up. When God decided to baptize you, when God decided to anoint you, he wasn't going to leave one spot. It's like when when we baptize somebody, let's make sure they go all the way under. We tease people all the time. I te- When I baptized Dave back there, I said, I'm going to hold you down for a minute or two. We'll make sure it got all over him. See, that's what God did with you. When he decided to anoint you, when you became anointed, he made sure there wasn't a spot on you that wasn't covered. Because you will stand before him with not by might. We, tr- we try to fight the devil with our own with our own efforts, with our own thoughts. With our, we think because we yell at him real loud. And I know I get loud. I get loud out of excitement. I'm not trying to get the enemy to move it from me. The authority that's in me by the anointing that's on me makes mountains move, destroys yokes. I don't have to yell and scream. When you walk into a place, thank you, Jesus. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. See, this is what the anointing does. Now, again, over the next several weeks, you're going to learn all kinds of stuff. But this is the basic anointing why and what it is in your life. My goodness, do you realize how powerful you are? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 See, everybody can find Ephesians quick. We read that a lot. (laughs) 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So first off, remember, the fight we fight is never against people. You're not anointed to stand against people. You're not anointed to stand against anything but spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, principalities, powers. You know what that tells me? If you understand those words, those are rankings. They're rankings, they're military rankings, principalities and powers. So that means to tell me, someday you may fight something that's stronger than the last one you fought. That doesn't mean you're weaker. That just means there's a new anointing. Doesn't mean you're weak now. It means God's getting ready to do something with you. That he's going to begin to bring something up out of you that you never knew was inside of you. That it's going to come up. He's moving you into a place. But what if the next one is not as hard? Okay, you use a new anointing for that. And it's all coming from the same source that's already here. He says, our fight is not against flesh and blood. So many times we want to make it. Linda read an awesome quote, and I saw she put it on Facebook the other day. Uh, so look it up. I'm not even going to try to quote it. But it's really, it's not, our fight is not with people. It's spiritual. Yeah, but Jesus has already defeated them. They don't know it yet either. <laughs> no, they really do. But that doesn't mean they're not going to fight. <laughs> They'll always test your knowledge. They'll always test your knowledge of your anointing. Proverbs chapter 3. This is the anointing. The anointing is for you not only to be set free, but to set others free. And you, sitting here right now, you don't have to pray some big giant prayer saying, oh, please anoint me, God. You are anointed. You're part of the anointed family of heaven. It comes out. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. You all know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. But what does verse 7 say? Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And it will be health to your body and strength to your bones. When I stop trying to fight my own battle, I become stronger. When I stop trying to think I can handle this, it becomes a health to my body. 
When I live in the anointing that God has called me to live in, I quit trying to work out my plans, my ideas, my way of handling this, my way of doing and understand I am anointed for such a time as this and such a mountain as this. When I get to that point, all of a sudden health comes to my body, strength comes to my body, and I'm not wanting to give up. I'm looking for another chance. This is the anointing. It rises up warriors and puts to bed quitters. This is the anointing. It causes you to look your enemy in the eye and understand that God is speaking to your mountain. What are you compared to him? Do you realize God has that much confidence in you? He has that much confidence in you. Why? Because he anointed you. The anointed, the anointing is for us to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the way that God has planned. But why be anointed? Why? What's the, what's the whole purpose? Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 1. And Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you all know where this is coming from, right? This is Jesus' baptism. He comes before John. John says, oh, not me, man. I'm not even worthy to unlace your sandals. He says, no, I have to be baptized. That anointing. I have to be. (coughs) He says, and when it had come... That John baptized him when he come up out of the water, when he came up out of the water, you see that the Trinity of God all in full blown perfection right there. Here's the word standing there, just baptized in John's that sin baptism, that repentance baptism. Here's here's the, the word who had just been baptized. Here's the spirit. That comes down in like a dove. And then here's a voice that says, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. And so we see in verse 1, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. So what happened at this baptism? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Don't for a moment think that the Spirit won't lead you into some places that might be dry. Well, I just don't think God would put me here. Well, he led Jesus there. Why? It's so the anointing comes. It's so the anointing comes. Jesus didn't do one miracle until he was anointed. Up until this point, not one miracle. Holy Spirit comes down, what's that? Smeared. He's standing there drenched, soaking wet, dripping off of his fingertips. Sounds a lot like being anointed, what we, the definition on it. And then the Spirit says, I need you to come away with me. Come away with me. I know this is a hard time. This may feel like a dry time, 
But what's coming after this will totally change the world around you. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> Jump to verse 14. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 14. And Jesus returned. Now, I'm, I'm skipping all the temptation of, of, of Christ out there. And Jesus returned in the power. There's a difference in fullness and power. He went into that wilderness filled with the Spirit. Pre-filled. But now he's coming out of that season full of power. There was an anointing that came through that dry time that wouldn't have happened anywhere else. There was anointing that came in that space that wouldn't have happened anywhere else. So he was led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, led away into the wilderness. And when he came out, he came out full of the power of the Spirit. That's what the anointing does. When we think we're in a dry time, you're just being squeezed. There's a still, like, like every one of us has done, we've turned the shampoo bottle upside down and we've shaken it and we've squeezed it. And that may be what it feels like sometimes God's turned you upside down and shaken you. Why? Because there's more in you than you think there is. There's more inside of you than you think there is. And he's going to take you like a sponge. When you thought a sponge was dry, on the inside there's more. And you give it a squeeze and all of a sudden what's on the inside has now re-moisturized what's on the outside. That's what he's doing. He may go through a dry place, but he's coming out. Going in pre-filled, coming out full of power. Oh my gosh, that's the, what the anointing does in your life. <laughs> and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And his fame went about, went throughout the surrounding region. Jesus didn't do one thing until after that point. After that, he changed the world. You may be in a dry spot right now, but I'm telling you, you're going to come out. Just know and be convinced you're coming out full of the power of what is already inside of you. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Well, Jesus was God. He didn't have to be anointed. That's why he became man. Yeah. Acts chapter, chapter, chapter. No, there should be a P in there. Chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed, I, I hear pages, I'll wait. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with what? The Holy Ghost? Holy Spirit and with power. Went in field, came out full. Went in field with the Holy Spirit, came out full of the power of the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And what did Jesus do? Hey, let everybody look at me. Nope, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Once you understand your anointing, it will drive you to do something to change somebody else's life. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. When you understand your anointing, it will become a driving factor for you to change the world around you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me, preached the good news, 
open the blind eyes, bind up the brokenhearted, declare freedom to those who are in bondage. This is why you're anointed. And the good thing is you get the benefits of being free in the middle of it all. You get the benefits of knowing not even a mountain can stand before you. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me will do the works I do also. That's one of the greatest commands we'll ever hear. Jesus said, what I do, you need to be doing. I can't do that without knowing I'm anointed. I can't do that without going back to the source and getting a new taste for something that I'm facing right now. It doesn't matter what enemy I face. It doesn't matter what demon I look at. They all have to succumb to the name of Jesus. And he has anointed me to break these bondages. He said, truly, truly, I say to you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do also. And he will do greater works than these because I'm going to my father. Now, how do you do greater than raising the dead? Well, because he was one man filled with the Holy Spirit and full of the power of the Holy Spirit. But he released all of us as his body. See, the head now resides where the head's at. But the body's still here. And the body's got to do the work. Pastor Dave, when's the last time you drove a nail with your head? (laughs) See, it took your body to do that work. Your head just gave a command. Our head just gives a command and he has anointed us with the same anointing that he was anointed with the day he walked into that water and walked out of that wilderness. We have the exact same anointing so that the body can just carry out the work of the head. That's what the anointing's for. Man, church, what's our problem? What are we waiting on? Look what else he says. Because I'm going to my Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Remember, anointing is all about God getting glory. It should never become a cult of personality where it's all about me. Verse, am I on verse 15? Yeah. If you ask any, verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor, that he may be with you, how long? Forever. So how long is the Holy Spirit with you? He's not jumping ship, Stanley. You may try to get off the train, he's just going to go with you. (laughs) He said, and the Holy Spirit who will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, for it does not see him, neither does it know him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And he cried out, it is finished. And the ground quaked, and the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. And the Holy Spirit 
was released on humanity. And he's going nowhere. And he's waiting on you to realize you've been anointed. So do the works that Jesus did. Do the works that he The enemy doesn't want you, doesn't want people to understand that they're anointed. Because if they understand they're anointed, they'll understand the yoke's been broke. But you, you know this now. We're almost there. Acts chapter 1. They're standing around talking to Jesus on this hilltop. Having a good conversation. Reveling in the, in the fact that he rose from the dead. And all of a sudden... But look what he does first. Verse 4. Being assembled with them, he commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. Here's the anointing coming. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, but there's been a whole lot of people prophesying times and dates. It's not for you to know the times or the dates. Yeah, but I believe God has shown. It's not for you to know the times or the dates. Which the Father has fixed. By his own authority. But you will receive power. Here's the anointing. The anointing is the ability to do the work of God. But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Both in Jerusalem. Judea. And Samaria. And to the uttermost parts of the The purpose of the anointing is to spread the gospel the good news that he has come, he has done it, it is finished, just come on into the house, the party's just starting. Mm. And to the uttermost ends of the earth. So what should an anointed group of people look like? What should an anointed group of people look like? Mark chapter 15, 16, and I think we might close here. Mark chapter 16, and these signs, verse 17, I'm sorry. Mark 16, verse 17, this is the result of an anointed people. But why ain't everybody doing these things? They just haven't realized yet that they're anointed. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This is the result of an anointed people. Miraculous signs and wonders that draws attention to Jesus and not to self. That draws attention to the Holy Spirit and not to self. That draws attention to the Father and not to self. And when we walk in this anointing, the miraculous and the supernatural are natural. The miraculous and the supernatural are natural 
to an anointed people who understand their anointing and are willing to walk in it. Amen? Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify you in the beauty of your holiness. We thank you that you have called us, you have chosen us, you have anointed us. And Father, let us be ever mindful of this anointing. Let us be ever mindful that we are anointed to do the work of the ministry, to do the work of the gospel, to change lives, that they don't have to come to church to get it, but we'll do it on the street. And it doesn't have to be pastor or pastor or pastor or pastor. It's me. I'm anointed to do this. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen.